Welcome to All The Gear But No Idea, the South Australian fishing podcast hosted by Rody and Diz. The boys will share their tall tales of the one that got away, as well as some regular segments they know all you fishing tragics will enjoy. Episode 58 of All the Gear But No Idea with uh, yours truly, Dizzy, and of course, co host here, Brody. How you going, mate? Diz, I'm bloody good. How are you, mate? I am absolutely fantastic, Brody. I'm going to be bringing the energy this episode, mate. Yeah, good to hear, Diz. We've got a, uh, a great guest. We absolutely have Luke Chamings, Chamo's Lures. We are very excited to have a chat with him. He's got some excellent lure ranges, a whole host of different stuff he's got, and we uh, can't wait to have a bit of a bit of a chat with the brainchild and sort of see see um, see what he's got in store. Yeah, Diz, uh, we certainly are. But let's before we get into that, let's get through our regular segment, starting with uh, our oranges and lemons, Diz. Yeah, well, Rudy, I'll. Um, I'll get cracking with a uh, a nice little orange for you with a with a great weekend away just recently in the in the Barossa for good friends of ours Amos and Jacob's wedding it was uh, the weather wasn't overly kind to them but um, what I can say about that is it certainly didn't dampen the spirits because boy oh boy did we send it <laughs> yeah no it was a good weekend wasn't it it was it was nice I I, I it was nice and close. It wasn't far. It was nice and close. So it was sort of easy to get to. Lots lots to see and do around the Barossa Valley, of course. Certainly makes uh, the Sunday a bit easier, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Like a oh, Friday Friday wedding, so sort of half a day. Friday, early knock-off, get down there. Had um, Millie's folks down there helping look after the young, the young lad, Ned. So that was good. That was good. Yeah, Diz, that's been good, and uh, I'm going to move on to my orange. We've got another ripping weekend ahead of us with the long weekend, and we're heading over to York Peninsula with a bit of a crew, chasing whiting, and fingers crossed, we've had some horrible weather of late, but fingers crossed the weather actually looks okay at this stage, not to jinx it. Yeah, we're just hoping that it's sort of... You know, you get a bit of bad weather out of the way, and then hopefully we get a bit of run of the good stuff, so... um, yeah, no, we're looking. We're certainly looking forward to getting away and getting out there and uh, getting stuck in some winter whiting. I reckon. I reckon, mate. Yeah, and you'd think the cold weather and a bit of blowy weather lately would uh, maybe bring the winter whiting on, but we'll we'll tell you that next episode, won't we? Yeah, we absolutely will. Hopefully, we've got a lot to talk about. Well, I'll uh, I'll give you my lemon if you like, uh, Rody, because yep. my orange and lemon is sort of somewhat related, I guess, because. Yeah, we've certainly tried to maintain a, a normal lifestyle since the young the young boys come in come into the world. But um, I guess I haven't really sent it as hard as I might have at the wedding over the <laughs> weekend. And my goodness, hangovers just I really hit different with children, like screaming children at three three o'clock in the morning with a with a sore head is far worse than than times gone by. Yeah, look, Diz, I won't argue with that one. It was nasty, and um, 
Yeah, look, I guess I won't get too graphic about it, but I had a chunder on Saturday morning, I'm not going to lie. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was it was not pretty. I actually felt drunk wheeling Ned um, in the pram down the main street. I reckon if I got pulled over by the cops, I would have had a bit to say to me. Uh, look, we're not starting a parenting, how, parenting buddy <laughs> podcast with this right, are we, this? No, we're certainly not. We're definitely not setting the best example for how to parent. But no. anyway, here we are. What's your lemon, mate? Uh, look, the Barossa was cold. Adelaide's been cold. It's been raining. There's been no fishing because it's been blowing a dog off a chain. The weather's been horrible. Oh, it has, hasn't it? It's been shocking. So, so uh, yeah, no, I'd agree with you. That's a, that's a very worthwhile lemon, that one. We're hoping that the uh, the the still winter weather's coming soon. Yeah, absolutely. But while you're on the subject of that lemon, it probably just leads nicely into our little update for the for the listeners out there with regards to the merch, doesn't it? Doesn't it, mate? It does, Diz. We've got the beanies. Uh, they're in production. Yeah. So they're just they're on the. What, what, I guess it's a sewing machine that probably gets busy on making a beanie, do you think? Like a commercial sewing machine? Uh, yeah, look, Diz, I don't know how they knit them. I'm not sure whether they've got a team of uh, grandmas knitting away over in in some obscure part of the world, but I don't know. <laughs> but they're on the way. Well, I guess that's the main thing. That's all we really care about, isn't it? We paid the, the money... They look good. They really do look good. Yeah, so we'll have a photo for you on social media a little bit later this week, and then we're thinking they're probably about two, two and a half weeks off being in our hands. So once we chuck that photo up, they're nice navy and grey, mostly Diz. Uh, yeah. And we'll start taking some pre-orders then. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a good shout, mate. We, um, we should definitely do that because... We want to make sure that the listeners out there can get their hands on these um, beanies while it's still while we still are getting this horrific winter weather. Yes, Diz, that will uh, will help plenty of people keep warm. Absolutely, Rody. Let's get into the news because we've got a bit to get through before we get Chamo on the show and we hear from him about all of his lures and what he's been up to. So, yeah. Uh, Get, get the listeners started out there on the on the uh, on the news, mate. Yeah, Diz, this is uh, we've talked a lot about this in our sort of two or three years uh, on the podcast. We're back onto the cuttlefish, Diz, and oh, this gosh, is a here we uh, go again. Yeah, all this has been news. one I'm of sure those this things. Isn't all the gear, but no idea. Cuttlefish edition. <laughs> well, it's been one of these things that's gone back and forth for basically the whole time we've been doing this podcast. And what's happened is, is obviously uh, Labor have got up in the election uh, and a fella named Eddie Hughes has become the local minister and he's triumphantly put up on his Facebook page saying that uh, Labor has invested in the environment and they've reinstated full cuttlefish protection in the northern Spencer Gulf. Yeah, wow, he's proud of it, isn't he, on his page? So what they've done is at the moment it's a temporary 12-month closure which is in place for the waters of Spencer Gulf north of the line between Arno Bay and Wallaroo. So that extends from basically now um, up until the 13th of May 2023 and that prohibits the targeting and take of cuttlefish in that area. 
Yeah, that's pretty significant, which is um, I know there'll be some people down there who rely on that uh, cuttlefish sort of migration, tourism, obviously a heavy tourism aspect. So um, that's great news for the region, Rody. Yeah, and that's in addition to the permanent uh, closure on all cephalopod fishing, so squid, cuttlefish and octopus, in the False Bay Point Lowly spawning area. So there's a full yeah, right. ban in that sort of isolated area on all cephalopod fishing and a ban on just the taking of cuttlefish in the whole northern part of Spencer Gulf. Yeah, impressive. I'm interested so how they... really going to boost the stocks. Yeah, it's interesting, though, how they say, you know, you're, you're prohibited from tar- targeting cuttlefish, but by the looks of things, you can still target squid in that area. Yeah, okay. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? So I suppose the thing is you may catch a cuttlefish, but you have to throw it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I suppose you don't mind. No, I think that's I guess cool. that's similar to, you know, sure there's been plenty of snapper that have been caught as bycatch when people have been dropping for nannies or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and I suppose that ban till sort of May 2023 gives them plenty of time to come up with a, a permanent plan. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, that is, that's good, Rody. Uh, yeah, good to see the the Labor government. I suppose they're sort of taking some action. Yeah, good to see something changing. That's it, Rody. Let's get on to a bit of a rule change for those out there that um, you know are following along and have a boat and uh, watch this sort of space pretty keenly because there's been some changes in regards to life jack wearing for boats that are over four point eight metres up to 12 metres in length, hasn't there? Yeah, so there's always been sort of a set of circumstances of heightened risk, which means you must wear a life jacket on that size boat. So that's when you're operating alone, when you're out in dark, things like that. Yeah. And they've added an additional condition of heightened risk, and they've said that you must... A life jacket must be worn when operating, only accompanied by a child or children who is 12 years or old or younger. Yes, okay. So, so they're basically saying if you're out with your five-year-old kid, you're effectively operating the boat alone. Yeah, yeah. So then life jacket must be worn, uh, on you go. Yeah, so that's probably reasonable. Well, yeah, look, I guess, I mean, you're obviously going to be teaching your young kids from early days around boating safety yep. and that sort of thing. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I suppose if, if something was to happen, you'd probably be happy anyway, knowing that all people on board were uh, wearing a life jacket if the weather turns or yeah. you know, you're running into boating strife. So, yeah, probably fair enough. And talking about life jackets, Diz, uh, Robsy hooked us up with a couple. Oh, what a great gift. What a great gift that was. Well done, Robsy and Pete. That's, uh, that's excellent work there. Great to, uh, you know, some interesting features. I, I sort of... Personally, wasn't sure whether my four and a half month old knew how to blow on a whistle to attract attention, but <laughs> there is a whistle on there if you need it. But yes, no, it's good we'll be able to take Lil and Ned out boating safely in the future. Yeah, no, don't you just love those young life jackets with the massive ring around their head? So it just sort of bobs their head up, bobs if up and down, in or you know. Whatever they're doing out on the donut or whatever it is that we might get them up to, we'll probably get them donutting from sort of six months of age, don't you reckon? I think that'll be a this summer sort of job. 
very good, too good. Brady, let's get on to some uh, seasonal closures because, of course, we're talking craze. Yep, it all happens this time of year, Diz. So it's closed now from the 31st of May for both the northern and southern zones. So no more hunting for tractors, as we call them. Yeah, tractor tractor hunting's off. So there'll be some disappointed some disappointed tractor fishermen out there. So that opens again on October 1 for the Southern Zone and November 1 for the Northern Zone? Yeah, okay. And we've also got a closure on Goa Cockles now from the 1st of June to the 31st of October, so that's fully banned. Yeah, can't say we did very well on them this season, Rody. Uh, I'm going to really test my memory by saying we may not have actually tried this summer. <laughs> I don't know whether we got down. We normally get down there. We I think really got down there actually. What's that? But I think I think Millie and I might have done a bit of a trip down there, but we didn't have any luck. No, you certainly yeah, didn't. Yeah, no, we did. We did. We did. We didn't get any. Anyway, we've had more success in previous years, but we probably didn't put in the effort. No, that's probably fair enough. We had other, we had conflicting interests at the, at the time. Yeah. Both, uh, both partners very heavily pregnant. Probably like, probably cockling isn't isn't your sort of. Yeah, seven months pregnant activity. No, they don't really have a, you know, their their base of support and their balance is probably not at their best. Yeah, and their for patience for sort of stopping every 50 metres on Gore Beach, testing if there's little cockles is, you know, probably not right up there on the to-do list. So if you are going to go for little baby Gillespie number two, could you please try and plan it around <laughs> cockle season? I will, I will. I'll keep, I'll keep, um, I'll keep the 1 June to 31st October in mind. <laughs> Good few uh, news articles there, Rody, to get through. Yeah, dears, that's enough to keep us talking. Absolutely, mate. And now's the time we've been all waiting for. We've been very much looking forward to having a chat with Chamo. So let's uh, let's get him on the line. Rody, very lucky to be joined now on the line with Chamo. How are you going there, mate? Oh, good day, man. Yeah, very well, thanks. Um, g'day to you and g'day to all the listeners out there. Hope everyone's uh, staying warm and dry. Oh, it's hard going this time of uh, this time of year, isn't it, Luke? But uh, we're going to get straight into it. Uh, we're going to go straight into, tell us about your best fish, mate. Best fish? Well, it'd have to be um, one of the Murray Cod I caught with um, Captain Spiro. Um, I reckon it might have been Lock 9. Yep. Um, and yeah, I don't know, 1250, 1270, something like that from memory. Oof, um, on one of my lures as well, which is just, you know, makes it a double double whammy. Um, yeah, it was just a fantastic experience. It really was, you know, the uh, the impact of the initial strike is um, if you're lucky enough to be holding the rod, is something to behold and you can, and um, yeah, pretty much addict. Well, I was addicted well before that, but um, yeah, this this really set the nails, really set the hooks in, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic fish. Oh, I got, you know, I didn't weigh it or anything, and um, but um, yeah, just we we were lucky. We had a golden run there for about three years. We, well, I think, our first half a dozen fish, none of them were under a meter. Wow. Um, yeah, we just had a real golden run, and then that black water event came through, and that sort of yeah. It changed things a little. Yeah, we've talked to uh, quite a few different blokes around uh, South Australia who make lures, and they all say that it's a, a different feeling catching the big fish on your own lure. Oh, there is no comparison. Um, you know, you, you sit there and you make it and you tweak it and you fart around with it and you do this, you do that. Uh, 
You know, a lot of thought goes into these lures, especially the, um, that particular model for me, the red fin. I mean, everyone does a red fin, I'm well aware of this. But, um, you know, I tried to get mine to be as actual, natural looking as I could. And I'm just through studying fish and checking out their um, behavioural traits, Murray Cod especially, um, I've sort of worked out that not much likes red fin. And um, they, you know, so they get an eyeful of them stripes. They're either going to eat it, kill it, or or whatever, gill rake it, or whatever. But they do not like redfin in their areas, like an inbuilt, you know, uh, thing that most fish, most native fish um, have. I don't think they like the introduced species full stop, but they especially don't like redfin. So um, I kept making them and swimming them and fishing them in the Murray in the bigger water. They were seven metre divers. They were quite a large lure. They went from, I think I'd done 160 mil with 250 mil and a 300 plus mil model. And um, yeah, the, the cod just had a real frenzy for them there for a little bit and I done really, really well on them. So um, yeah, you know, the humble redfin coloured lure, it's a, it's a winner. Did the damage. Fantastic, mate. That's excellent. Well, let's uh, let's hear from you about your favourite thing about fishing. Is it sort of getting away, getting out there in nature? or? Oh, I would say that, um, which we will touch on later on, um, the disconnect you have. Yeah. The way that um, you can be have the worry of the world on your shoulders. I won't elaborate too much, but it will sort of be a bit of a bloody uh, wreck, the, wreck the last story. But, um, <laughs> you know, the way that the... Sh- world on your shoulders you go out there you have a couple of casts and then boom you got a fish and all of a sudden it, there is nothing but you the fish um, and that moment in time and, and it's there's not many things that um can take you away from absolutely you know it can be any news at all you get mm-hmm. and um yeah that's what i love about fishing that complete disconnect with everything and everyone you know you can go with your mates and everything but when you hook up a fish you the fish and just that buzz of that initial impact or the fight or whatever um yeah yeah beautiful that's uh it's great Shamo. now tell us next one what is your first fishing memory or what got you into it well i grew up in a fishing family um and uh, we all come from Benalla, Victoria, on the Broken River. Yeah. So um, many and many evenings in the summer was spent down there. Um, I was swimming or fishing in the river with my grandparents um, on both sides, to be honest. They both lived in the same town. When we father, he got heavily into um, fishing. When we come over to South Australia, so we were fishing in the Coorong a bit and um, St Kilda, Port Gawler, all of them areas. Um, um, yeah, but my earliest memory, and I thought long and hard about this one today, was um, I reckon, I can't remember where, but it's on the Murray, um, up the top end of the Murray too, in northeast Victoria. As a kid, swimming out on the sandbars with these massive tethered cod that the um, blokes had caught during the day or the evening before, and they just tethered them up on yeah. big stakes on the sandbar. And just just as a little kid wading out and sort of wrestling around with these hundred pound and sixty pound yeah. and all sorts of sizes, they all tethered up all day. I mean, it's abhorrent to think of now, but um, yeah. forty plus years ago, that was you know um, that was normal and accepted practice by some. 
And but yeah, I just remember as a little little boy, uh, eight years old, maybe swimming around with these massive cod that were tethered to these posts on the sandbar in the Murray in Victoria or maybe in New South, I can't quite remember. But, um, yeah, that's one of the earliest memories I have, yeah, for sure. Fantastic, Chamo. And um, your favourite sort of fishing, mate? What is what is it? Is it well, being out there on the Murray? I love just getting in the boat, whacking it in gear, letting it idle and running lures out the back. The lazy form of fishing, the old trolling, but... Just the endless um, procession of uh, things on the bank. The the river's never the same two days in a row. You know, it's just a constant. We're the lucky uh, down here with the cliffs and everything. They're always great to float around under. And I just love dragging the lures around, especially making them yourself, of course. But, um, you know, there's nothing better than... uh, getting a fish on your own lure and I just love the serenity of the river and just you know just going steady like I said just whack her into gear and duck, 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 off you go down the river and watching the ends of the rods pulse away a lot of people get bored with it but I'm the same about casting you know you pull up at a tree and you cast it at 75 times for nothing <laughs> yeah. and move to the next one and that's a lot of effort. I'd rather just float up and down past it 75 times and then <laughs> yeah. move on. So, oh. you know, each to their own. I'm not having a go at these mates. At least you see a bit of the river that way, Jamo. Um, but I've got more patience. So, um, yeah, just the trolling is the ultimate for me on a big green river or, you know, interstate somewhere or Lake Mawala at sunset. It's, you know, it's pretty, pretty friggin' amazing to be beautiful. You know, to be brutally honest, it's a, it's a fantastic place to be at sundown and just trolling around or having a cast or whatever. So, yeah, definitely lure fishing. Yeah. Now, Jamo, tell us, what is your funniest fishing story or tell us about the one that got away? Mm. Now, what rating are we? <laughs> <laughs> nah, look, oh, look yeah. I was thinking today and there's been heaps of humorous things that have happened. Most of them to me, um, <laughs> yeah. and um, you know, and there's a lot of mirth and merriment around that. You know, I fall out my kayak reasonably often, and oh, the boys love it. You know, <laughs> absolutely love it. It makes the makes the fishing page all the time. And yeah, but um, oh, I don't know. I remember Grandpa. I don't know if I was there for this. I do seem to remember something about it. But once again, as a family down on the river, and Grandpa's hooked up to something, you know, enormous, really big fish. So straight away, we're all thinking cod, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, he gets it in, of course, it's a carp, isn't it? And it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's massive. But he's grabbed it by the tail, and he's literally, and he's a big, strong man, and he's just thrown it behind himself without looking. But unbeknownst to him, Grandma's standing there, and it smacked her straight in the head and pretty much knocked her out. Oh. So, yeah, you know, probably wasn't overly funny at the time, but I look back on it today and thought, oh, man, that would have been bloody funny, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so, you know, Grandpa's nearly knocked Grandma's head clean off with a car. That's, uh, <laughs> that would have put a quick end to the fishing trip, wouldn't it? Uh, well, to be honest, I think he's turned around, sort of, since you, you know, once you come to and sat her up and everything and everyone's giving him a bit of a stand talking off he was that pumped about what happened he went and put another bait on cast out sat back down again you know, <laughs> that would have been the case but um yeah i got hooked in the nose with a bloody um 
heap of worms once by my pop, who's predominantly deaf. <laughs> so I was at one end of the boat with a nose full of worms and the hook right up the snout. <laughs> line and he's pulling like crazy, screaming at me, I'm snagged, I'm snagged, can you get see what I'm on and get me off? <laughs> yelling, it's me. You've, <coughs> you've hooked my nose, excuse me again. And because um, he's deaf as a post, so he's not hearing me. I'm screaming at him and... My old man's just sitting in the middle, just pissing himself, laughing. He thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of G-rated ones for you. <laughs> Excellent, mate. Well, thank you very much for answering those <laughs> questions. Let's get into a few other things you've been up to, because, Chamo, you were at the SA Fishing Showcase. You get yourself involved in Fish and the like, so... You're very involved in the sort of recreational scene generally, aren't you? Yeah, I have tried to be. Um, there's a lot of us out there having a crack, but yeah, I've been hanging around for a few years now. We're getting up towards a decade. But um, yeah, I was a former board member at Recfish and a stocking manager, and now, I'm, now I've sort of retired or whatever you want to call it. I'm the president of um, the Barossa chapter of Ozfish, and... Um, we're punching well and truly above our weight for a little crew. We've been, we've done some habitat jobs now in the reservoirs and we've put um, well over a tonne of rock in the Warren Reservoir and some terracotta pots and, oh, we got nominated for an award. The other day we planted 250-odd trees down the South Power in Gawler's looking at the... You know, looking at the other end of the river as it sort of joins the uh, joins the North Power and turns into the Gawler River. So yeah. not only looking at the reservoirs, we're sort of looking at the creeks and tributaries and whatnot as well. We had a bit of a play around in Victoria Creek not so long ago just to have a look at um, how we could address sort of some carp removal down there. Pesticide detectives work. Yeah, we, we've had a crack for a little mob, and I don't mind saying that. It's not all been under my tenure, but we've had um, young Alex, he um, prez for a while, and the lovely Tegan Lorensky, she done it for a while. She was brilliant. I think Danny, Danny Simpson done it for a little bit as well. Um, we worked pretty closely with Dr. Michael Serp, so um, yep. seagrass fame. Um, yeah, seeds for snapper fame. So um, yeah, look, it's been a fantastic um, gig to be honest, and um, we've got some more stuff coming up. We recently won um, a fairly decent grant through SA Water to um, do some more habitat in the Warren. Yep, I think it was, um, in excess of nine thousand dollars. I think it's somewhere up around um, nine thousand seven hundred something like that. And um, yeah, so. Uh, we're very excited and thankful for them for that. And, um, yeah, so we look forward to doing that job soon. It's a much bigger job, but um, we'll get our heads around it. Yeah, well, that'll keep you busy, Chamo, yeah. I'm sure. Sorry? That'll keep you busy, nine and a half grand worth of, uh, worth of habitat. Oh, bloody ace it will. Like, <laughs> I mean, a fair bit of it gets used up in... Um, the logistics of it that's you know um if we can get some volunteers to help out boat wise etc etc yeah that helps and um you know that's the to be honest that's probably the main cost in the whole thing is getting a boat in survey and a crane and this and that and the other and just the logistics of it but there's nothing cheap nowadays boys i mean the whole you know the whole covid thing has certainly seen to that and then fuels through the roof and blah 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 but that's another topic for another day but um yeah it is you know it's expensive to do anything on the water 
Um, it's just the way it is, I'm afraid. All right, and Chamo, let's keep moving. That's great, the work you're doing with Ozfish, but we want to move on to your personal uh, interest in making lures, the Chamo's lures. Can you tell us about that? Well, about, oh, God, I don't know, it'd be 15-plus years ago, we moved up to Williamstown, and I started fishing in the reservoirs, and I was, I was losing a lot of lures. They were cheap, you know, cheap stuff from Big W and whatnot. But regardless, they worked well, but I was losing them all the time. And then it was, you know, I'd fall in love with a certain model and then they wouldn't have them anymore and that started to stress me out. And so my wife said to me, why don't you um, make some? Yep. And I thought, no, what? She's probably bloody onto something there. So um, I had a joiner shop at the time. I'm a carpenter and joiner by trade, so... I started to look around on the floor and all these little odds and sods, bits of wood and cedars and this, that, the other. So anyway, I started mucking around and sooner or later I got one to swim and then I bought a book <laughs> on how to do it. Well, that was the end. And then I caught one. Cool, and then mate. the whole world changed. And you're making lots of different lures now, Chamo? Oh, mate, we, we make everything from the smallest hand-tied flies up to 350 mil, you know, um, cod lures and stuff for the ocean. We we sort of got a little niche market, to be honest. We you know we we get a lot of people. We get a lot of collectors. Yeah. Which is a double-edged blade because you know it's great you get good money for your lure, but they don't necessarily use it. So once it's sold, that's sort of the end of that lure's career, if you know what I mean. Sits yeah. up on a wall and whatever. Mm. I might prefer to sell them and see them getting used and catching a fish. <coughs> it's a, oh, it's a fantastic hobby slash industry to be involved in. Um, you know, we, we make a little bit of money out of it, not a great deal. Um, that's purely because I, I stick to this little niche market thing and so the people that don't really want this lure, they don't want that lure, they sort of want a mixture between the two and or something a little unique, different. And um, but we get a lot of, lot of interest for custom-built stuff. But no, nah, they're, they're a great hobby to get into. They really are. Yeah, absolutely, and I bet... There is nothing better than catching a fish on your own lure. Yeah, absolutely, and people would just be absolutely chuffed to be able to support a, like a local sort of business like that and then be able to get something that they've been maybe thinking about or dreaming of for a while and then they go out there and see it come to life. It would be bloody awesome. Oh, it's amazing. Like, you get a buzz out of getting a fish, but getting it on something you created the night before is pretty pretty good and tell us uh chamo what's the number one lure if you want to go out and catch a cod what would, you, what would you recommend would it be that red fin you talked about i reckon the number one lure man would be the red fin yep um for an all because you can go down to about i think i'd make one that's about 80 to 90 mil long up to 300 mil in that color yeah them, them little ones are pretty good too little battlers i call them yep. they're great for the reservoirs they've proven themselves to be fantastic um, but we haven't touched on the humble spinner. Yes, tell us about that. I'll tell you now, not many fish knock back a spinner. Yeah. You've just got to get the size right for the size of fish you're fishing for. But I've used, you know, I've left a spinner on my rod for some two or three months at a time and refused to take it off no matter where we're fishing or what we're fishing for. Yeah. And um, more often than not, have managed to catch the target species or at least something yeah um they're great in the ocean for salmon and salmon trout 
Luke, absolutely love them. Um, I make a range from, you know, tiny little sort of five to seven grams up to a full ounce, ounce and a half jobby ones that are real big bodied and twin bladed. And um, they're great fun to use as well. And um, to be honest, uh, you know, there's not much knocks back agitation in the water. Um, That bubble stream is the undoing of many and many a predatory fish. Mm, they just love it, don't they? They do, they do. Look, I cannot reiterate how how much the bigger spinners with their not quite the bigger blades, so something a little more streamlined like a willow leaf or something like that, in the ocean after your pelagics, they work a treat. Yeah, and there's one other lure. You obviously make a few if you've got the wooden ones, the spinners, but the one I wanted to ask you about, Chamo, is the big, uh, the big grub-looking one. Oh, the Barty Grub. The Barty Grub. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us about that one. You've had much success um, on the big cod using that. Being a country boy, you know, over in Victoria, um, Barty Grubbing's a big thing. It's quite a little industry, actually. Yeah. They're expensive little suckers. They buy. sure are, aren't they? They're, they're bloody rip-off. Yeah. I mean, I've seen them in Bendigo once for $5 a grub. It was in the drought time, yeah. but... um. So, yeah, they're, they're an expensive item, and um, it just got me thinking, well, why not make a few barty grubs? So I started making the barty grubs, and then I thought, oh, boring, let's find some other coloured. So we do the wanderer. Yeah. I think we do, like, a cabbage moth one. Yeah. Um, I just got a um, butterfly, a native Australian butterfly book out, and then just found a heap of caterpillars in it that looked pretty cool and were reasonably common to the area, and... Um, <coughs> painted them up accordingly. Yeah, beautiful. Well, they look like you'd have lots of fun using them. come up all right. I I used to have a bit of a a thing. If the birds look at it, you're somewhere near right. You know what I mean? If you're trying to do the natural type of lures. So I popped a grub out on the grass at Williamstown one day, and um, it was actually a cicada moth type of um, wood burnt lure. I popped it out on the grass and I was just thinking to myself, I said, oh, imagine if a bird come down and picked it up and blow me down about five minutes later, this blackbird flew down and had a few pecks at it and sort of a bit of a scratch and spar with it and flew off. And I thought, well, I must be getting it somewhere near right. <laughs> so, um, You've nailed yeah, it. But, um, you know, you can do your, your native natural type of lures and just try and hoodwink, hoodwink the fish completely into thinking that that is an actual barley grub in the water. Or you can try to trigger their um, instinctive strikes like spinner baits and stuff like that too. They don't really look like anything in the water, but there's something about them that triggers a strike. And there's two ways to go about lure making. Yeah, fantastic, mate. And thank you very much for the insight into uh, the lures there. And uh, no doubt our listeners, if they're interested in doing that sort of fishing, they'll be able to hit you up. And one thing we did want to talk about Chamo was, and something we touched on earlier in the five questions was just about that disconnect and the um, the sort of the the healing aspects, I suppose, of getting out there and doing a bit of yeah. fishing. Something you've experienced yourself, is that right? Very recently, I um, received a reasonably distressing phone call. I won't go into details, but um, you know, it was pretty uh, sort of life-altering phone call from a medical practitioner yeah anyway as you do i thought blow this I, I, you know, I don't want to hear it anymore got in the car grabbed a rod 
tottered off down to this little cod hole on a private land. Anyway, I sat my ass down there and started having a bit of a cast. And my wife recently bought me these really, really cool um, polarised glasses. Big deal, everyone's got polarised glasses. But they've got an anti-glare factor in them. They've gone from the Cancer Council. Anyway, I've, I've looked into the water and thought, wow, how good are these glasses? Well, I could see a medium plus. Anyway, yeah. I looked a little deeper as me lures swimming along. So what's that behind it? And look, and blow me down. Here's a, you know, half a metre, 600 mil. I'm pretty sure it was quite a bit bigger than that, but we'll go 600. <laughs> Cod. Yep. He's swimming along behind it. So I was oh, I'm cast out again. He done it again. Then on the third time, he give it a bit of a nip on the arse. He hooked up, but he got off. And anyway, end of story, he got away. <laughs> no big deal. I've caught enough fishing time. Walked back to the car and drove back home, and then I thought, oh, that's right, I got that phone call. Anyway, and then I thought later on this week when I was thinking of stuff to talk to you about, I thought, well, how powerful is fishing and with mental health or, you know, just, just to clear your mind and just to... I did not think of anything but this cod, uh, my lure, my casting, was I deep enough? Why wasn't he grabbing it when he was swimming? Oh, was that involved in this cod and my lure? That I, I just sort of started thinking to myself, you know, that's a pretty powerful bloody tool because what I got told was, you know, bloody devastating to hear. Mm. Yet for that 20 minutes or so I was engaged with this cod, I thought of nothing but this cod and the elation of hooking him up and getting him and getting a photo and all the rest of it and on one of my lures naturally. And, um, and I just, it just got me thinking of what a powerful tool fishing is for um, just taking you away from your everyday life and um, whether it be good, bad or indifferent. Um, but, yeah, it, what is it, you know, that primal feeling of being connected to something in the wild by a little piece of, you know, a little tiny piece of cotton on your fishing rod sort of thing, fishing line, yeah. and you hook up to this big natural animal and it's charging around for its life and you're fighting it and that whole... I was just amazed at how quickly I forgot everything I'd been told not less than five minutes ago and did not give it another thought until I got back home that night and sort of got over the buzz of the cod and then sat back down and sort of started to dwell on it a bit. Mm. But um, I said, you know, don't underestimate the healing powers of fishing. I think the governments could do to, uh, especially our bloody government, <laughs> um, either or, they could um, do to look at fishing a lot, you know, with a lot broader um, scope. Um, give it a lot more money um, and because um, the healing powers and the feel-good side of it cannot be overstated and um, that's just from a personal personal experience um, you know, and that was only oh, two weeks ago when I first started talking to you just you know trying to get on and arrange your times and everything yeah it's crazy world we live in but um yeah the healing powers of fishing are nothing to be sneezed at uh, it is an absolute amazing thing that we do and we're lucky enough to be part of the fact that we get to do it for free in south australia is um should be a a, a lot more appreciated than it is i personally think a license wouldn't go astray but again another topic for another day <laughs> but um, I really think fishing is a um, has a hell of a lot more impact on um, community happiness and um, stuff like that than um, 
know, powers to be give it credit for. Yeah, and no, I couldn't agree with you anymore. And it's funny because our five questions that we ask every guest, there's often people who we don't sort of talk specifically about this, but the fact that they can sort of detach from their everyday life and just enjoy some time outdoors or with mates or whatever it is. Yeah. You're absolutely right, man. It's, it's very good. good. So you go with your mates and you're all lined up on the bank and you, you know, ah, sucked in, you got snagged and all, can't you cast or, you know, piss off over there, that's my spot. And you're having a bit of a laugh and teasing each other and then, but then when you hook a fish, they disappear too. You know what I mean? There's such a powerful magnetic force. It's almost a primal thing, hunter, catcher, I don't know, but um, I was astounded because, you know, like I said, the news wasn't flash. And uh, I couldn't give a fanny's apple about it while I was there. I was that keen on this cod and, you know, a little miff that he got off. But then, once again, it's my lure and my lure tricked him enough that he had a go at it. So, you know, to me, I still get something out of that. Yes. Absolutely, mate. No, it's been absolutely fantastic. And thank you for uh, being willing to share that and... Tell us a bit about your journey, the lure making and everything that's going on in the rec scene. It's been really great to have a chat with you, Chamo. Oh, look, I just want to thank you boys for having me on. It's a bit of an honour, to be honest. I, I like what you do and you're kicking a few goals. And, um, yeah, I, you know, keep up the great work. And, um, like I said, really, really appreciate the opportunity of coming on and having a yak about yourself. No, Chamo, thanks for coming on, mate. It's been great to chat with you. Before we leave you, can you tell us where we can get our hands on your lures? Um, at the moment, the shops are a little dry, and yep. I've been out of action for a couple of weeks, but Gawler Outdoor and Fishing, yep. they will be stocked up soon. I've um, started that order. Uh, Cockatoo Valley General Store, Cadell General Store. Yep. Um, oh, down at uh, Christie's Beach there, let's go fishing. Yep. Yeah. Yep, got that bit right. Um, they're in all of them shops. But, yeah, you know, if you don't want to go to a shop, you can always just private message me and say, that one on, you know, here, copy the picture, show me it, I'll just make you one there and then pretty much and um, send it out to you. Yeah, beautiful, Chamo. You've got a great range of gear on your social media and we'll be, uh, we'll be sure to share that so all the listeners can uh, get some of your gear, mate. No, well, thank you very much. I'll be um, getting back into it, as my catchphrase is. Um, in the next week or so, all I've got to do is get through this bloody code. <laughs> all right, mate. Well, rest up, and thanks again for coming on. No, you brilliant work, boys. You take it easy, all right? Thanks, thanks. mate. See ya. See ya. Good to chat with Chamo there, Rody. Yes, he's uh, very informative and a good man. Yeah, no, really good. It's excellent to chat with him and... Um, Goodness me, he's got a good range of lures. We certainly look forward to having a chat about some of his more specific lures a bit later. But first, Brody, let's get stuck into the report because, of course, there's been a few fish being caught around the place. It hasn't been great weather for fishing, dears, so we're not going to say there's been heaps of fish caught. No, that's right. I mean, we're certainly not going to sit here and talk about the report for the next 20 minutes because I just don't... I just don't see us having the content for that. I don't think enough people have been out, but geez, when they have got out, what have they been getting into? Well, of course, it is um, that uh, that time of year where the winter widens start to fire, both locally and through the regions. So you, you immediately sort of think of your 
kind of York Peninsula, then of course Metro, you know, maybe down to Warina or Brighton, yep. that yep. type of thing. And certainly the reports have been pretty strong. Yeah, I've never claimed to be a great metropolitan whiting fisher, but I have heard St Kilda's been getting a few. Yes, no, I'd certainly agree with that. We do occasionally get some people come into the pharmacy who fish the sort of Normanville areas. I'm certainly not going to sit here and say that I've heard any good reports, but they do normally get them down there, yep. especially this time of year. But uh, we're going to try our hat at the York Peninsula uh, winter whiting next weekend, Brody. So I dare say we'll have a bit more to talk about after that. Let's bloody hope so, dears. What about the barrels? Are they still getting any? Yeah, I've seen some barrels. Um, yeah, no, they've still been coming through. Like I think uh, if you follow the charter pages, they're still they're still coming in. I know Extreme Marine's been doing well. Yeah, they have been. They've been getting on on. That's for sure. Um, but. Um, yeah, like I think it's just one of those things. They tend to fire, but maybe that's kind of at the start of the season when people are just really excited about getting one and then yeah. one brings two and all of a sudden it's all over social media and they think they're going wild. Yeah, and it's still, still obviously a, a type of fishing that you're going you're gonna to have trips where you catch donuts, aren't you? You are, and you've got to find the weather. Absolutely. And Absolutely. is the, uh, this time of year the salmon fishing fires up? Certainly does, Roddy. Port Nalunga Jetty is notorious for good salmon fishing, but also there's um, obvious places down on the peninsula. Browns Beach is notorious for good salmon. Butler's Beach, also another one down there, Roddy. Yeah, and uh, the Salmon Comp, I think, has started. We talked about that last episode, the Australian Salmon Comp. It does, absolutely. Sharinga is a name that immediately comes to mind when you're talking... Salmon fishing, so... So that started up the 1st of June? Yeah, so I think I think it was the Sharinga Roadhouse is a, a, a sort of drop-off point, like a measuring, you know, entry into the comp. So, uh, yeah, if you're doing... If you're, if you're heading over there, then get stuck into it. And I think the Elliston uh, Caravan Park's probably the main one, I think. Yeah, well, I think that might even be where they do the... Have like a ceremony of yeah, sorts where so. they announce it. So, yeah, um, yeah not very good. And uh, I've been hearing a few reports just because of the you know the locality of the pharmacies to the Port Lung Jetty. A couple of big gars, catches of gar caught. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so um, I mean, of course, if you need bait, you'd be mad not to swing down and see the boys. At, uh, how's your tackle? Catch yeah. up, Dan, boy. Shoot, shoot the breeze, they'll be able to tell you where the fish are biting. Yep, get your gents for your garfish. And I did see they're now selling small pilchards, just perfect for your uh, your salmon fishing off the jetty. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, um, they're always doing something innovative, those boys. They are, dears. All right, that's all we've got for the fishing report tonight. Yes, Rody, let's, um, let's move into a very fitting uh, tackle item. Yes, it is. Because, of course, we're going to have a chat about Chamo's lures. Yeah, we've had him on. He's a great man. And we're going to move on to something a bit specific out of his range, Diz. Uh, when we knew we were getting Chamo on, I spent a bit of time uh, really searching hard through his social media, seeing what lures I liked, and I found one that is a, a winner. 
Oh, yeah. Tell us about it, mate. And that's the duck lure. In his range? The duck lure. Oh, gosh. How good. He's got a few of them, but they're, they're bloody realistic, these duck lures. Well, so Carpenter and Joiner by trade. Yeah, he talked about... very handy. He talked about the grub lure, and this is another one of his sort of bigger range of lures. Um, yeah. And it comes in sort of your traditional, I think you'd call that a, I think they're called wood ducks. Yeah, 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 that's a wood duck. I think there's a wood duck colour, and also if you scroll further down the page, there are a couple of other sort of duck or bird varieties that he makes, but uh, they, they look bloody good. Yeah, yeah, they, of course they do. They're, um, yeah, he's, he's very handy. I mean, it doesn't take much to have a look through his, um, through his, through his social media pages to realise that he's, he's obviously very crafty, isn't he? He is, and he's got some sort of yellow bird, and he's also got what looks to me to be a galah. <laughs> a galah? I haven't seen that. Yeah, one. no, there's a pink looking galah thing. So uh, I'm going to call today's tackle item. I know Chamo talked up the red fin type. Lure and the spinner baits, but for creativity and ingenuity and all that, I'm going to call the duck or bird varieties of lures our tackle item of the week. Beautiful. No, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'd agree. And, dears, that just about brings us to the end of today's episode. Yes, it does, Rody. It's been a good episode. It was excellent to catch up with Jamo and have a yarn. And certainly, if you're into the lure fishing or you like, chasing a Murray cod then hit him up because um very he, he's done well he's done well on the fish he, he posts a few does well in the reservoirs that's for sure he's got something for everyone you heard him talk earlier today about spinner baits and the like so uh yeah it was good to catch up with him yeah and Diz, uh long weekend coming up we're going fishing if you are too make sure you tag us in facebook instagram and keep us involved of course and i would very strongly suggest that all you listeners out there would follow us intently on the socials because there's going to be an extremely stylish piece of apparel in the form of a beanie being posted over the next, what are we going to say, ready week or so? Yeah, I think we'll put it out at the end of the week. And um, you want to get your pre-orders in fast because these things are going to fly off the shelves. Yeah, it is. If uh, all goes to plan, we might have a second order three before long, the way the, uh, the, way the talk's been. <laughs> Good shout. Good shout. No, good stuff, Roddy. Well, good to catch up with you, mate, as always. All right, guys. Good luck fishing. All right. We'll speak to you soon, guys. Roddy and Diz hope you enjoyed today's episode of All the Gear But No Idea. Keep up to date by liking and sharing us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can subscribe on all the major podcast platforms. Until next time, good luck fishing. Good luck fishing.